Hello, my buds, my pals, my friends, new friends, old friends, the wonderful folks at Locks and Schmear on St. Clair Avenue West here in Toronto. You make the best locks and bagels. Oh, my goodness. Support them. Support local. Let's do it. Uh, everyone go there. I love it. Uh, <laughs> How is everyone doing? Welcome to another week of One More Round with me, Trisha Black. This week on the podcast, we have the wonderful, the talented, the inspirational Natasha Negovonlis. Oh my goodness, from the, the wonderful web series Carmilla, Clairvoyant, Band Ladies. She's been in so many things, and we have such a wonderful, delightful conversation. Well, we talk a lot about queerness, we talk a lot about musical theater. Uh, it's a really, really fun episode, uh, and I was very grateful that she jumped on the pod. How has everyone's week been? It's another Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week. Oh my goodness. Uh, this week for me has been very fun. Uh, we went, uh, my, I'm redoing my bedroom because my bedroom is kind of becoming my bedroom and office. So I'm getting a new desk. I don't know where from yet. I haven't decided. I've been looking a lot on like Facebook Marketplace and Let Go and Kijiji because I kind of want to start buying things secondhand. Um, which I know is maybe a bit scary during um, a global pandemic, but uh, <laughs> I feel like buying things secondhand is a lot better for the environment. But this uh, this past weekend, my girlfriend Jill and I went to St. Jacob's, which is right outside of Toronto, about an hour and 15 minute drive. And they have so many little antique uh, stores. It's such a beautiful little place. They have a great brewery called Three... Um, excuse me, uh, called Three Block, which has great, wonderful beer. Uh, and we went to a bunch of antique places and it was so much fun. You don't realize too, when you go outside of Toronto, I feel like all antiques here are wildly overpriced. Uh, so stuff there was actually like priced normally, which was really great. So I got like a bamboo ladder for my blankets. I got a, a plant stand. I'm really into plants right now. Oh my gosh, I love love plants. Um, I want all of the plants all of the time. My room's slowly becoming kind of like 70s bohemian with a, like a hint of, I guess, minimalism, modern. Who knows? It's my style is what I'm calling it. It's just all things that I like and I enjoy, which I think you need in your bedroom. You know, I think your bedroom, especially if you're working in your bedroom, it kind of needs to have this feel of what makes you happy. And so right now it is plants and antiques and I am living for it. So if anyone has any suggestions for great places to go, get some good antique things, let me know. I started watching a new show that just started called Lovecraft Country, uh, produced by the one and only Jordan Peele. It is so much fun. It is, um, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It is, it is spooky and weird, but with underlying, um, historical issues of race in the South in the fifties. And, but with this sci-fi horror twist, it has the, and it has the actress, uh, who was on full house who played Michelle's friend. Uh, her name is journey Smollett. Uh, I believe on full house she played, she was in true blood too, a, a, a while ago when true blood was on. God, that was a good show. I love sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I love horror shows. They're all so good. She was also, I think on the, on Cosby too. Oh, she played Denise. That's who it was. She played Denise, um, on full house and she was in true blood and she's so good on this. She's 
stunning. What a beautiful human. Like, she's gorgeous. I mean, and that's not, I know what I shouldn't be focusing on. She's a beautiful actor, too. But the show is so good. I don't want to give any spoilers away, except that I am loving it. There are two episodes out right now, and I think everyone should tune in and take a watch, because I am having fun. Like, last night I was watching, and I was like, what? Whoa! (gasps) Ah! Like, that was... That, I mean, not maybe not the best impression of myself, but that was kind of what I was doing. <laughs> I've, I've really reconnected also recently with Katie Lang. I love Katie Lang. Her voice is stunning. Her music is beautiful. She is such an icon. She like paved the way so much for, you know, queer identifying and gender bending um, folk. Uh, sh- she's incredible. And she has a new single out with the killers called Lightning Fields. And it is so good her voice on it sounds amazing the song itself is it slaps is as they say as as I think the youngins say I'm 34 now so I'm not a youngin I don't think anymore even though I want to believe I am uh (laughs) but the song is really good everyone go check it out take a listen and then go back and listen to Katie Lang's original stuff because it is amazing when she came out with Ingenue in 1992 that was like the big album that made her because before that she was doing a lot of cover albums and this was the first all original piece um and it had like constant craving on it miss chatelaine it had all of these amazing songs and a lot of them were uh very gender neutral songs and very cautiously um it felt like the the lyricism was very cautious not to say what sex or who or gender or identity in in the songs and it's so good and she came out right after that album came out and she did the Chatelaine uh spread with Cindy Crawford like you know that really lifted her off and she won best female pop vocalist at the Grammys for Constant Craving uh and it it just she is incredible. She's wonderful. I love her. I love her style. So if you see me next, I'm probably going to be looking. I mean, I already kind of look a bit like Katie Lang. We have the same cheekbones. Uh, anytime I perform like music anywhere, like not comedy, but like my band when I had a band, The Haunted Lovers, uh, a lot of people would come up to me and be like, "Do you know who Katie Lang is?" And I'd be like, "Of course I know who Katie Lang is. What do I look like?" Uh, and they'd be like, "You sound and look." and have her style. And I, I always took it as a wonderful compliment because gosh, her voice, holy crap, is just a, a masterclass. It's a force. It is wonderful. Go listen to Katie Lang uh, after you listen to my wonderful interview with Natasha Neg Ovanlis. Here we go to that now. She is a Canadian screen award-winning, openly pansexual actress best known for playing the broody lesbian vampire in the digital phenomenon-turned-feature film Carmilla. She can also be seen in films such as Almost Adults and Freelancers Anonymous. She co-created the New York WebFest award-winning comedy series Clairvoyant, and currently you can find her acting in female-driven comedy series Band Ladies, which I am also in, now playing on Highball TV and advocating for mental health and LGBTQ+ awareness and representation on her Instagram page at Nat Vanless. Please welcome Natasha Nego Vanless. Woo! Natasha, thank you so much for being here. What a treat. 
Thank you for oh my having me. I'm so it's happy my to pleasure. have you. You were on the top of my list when I decided to do this podcast. And it's so funny because I never meant for this podcast to be like a fully like queer kind of podcast. But so far, almost all of my guests except one have been queer, <laughs> which I'm fine with. <laughs> I'm also fine with that. That sounds yeah, right? great. We, yeah. we got to uplift each other and, and <laughs> take care of one another, you know? How are you? How are things? I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, I guess we did that Buffy reading. We did. Yeah. Earlier when, when the quarantines were much simpler times, we did (laughs) that reading of uh, the Buffy pilot to promote band ladies, Mm -hmm. which we're both in. Yeah. That was really fun. Band ladies. I know it's so funny when we were, I found out that you were doing band ladies and I was like, of course we're not. Cause I feel like we've always just like passed through the night with each other on like in the world in general. So I was like, oh, we don't get to be in like a scene together or anything. I know. It's like this weird matrix where we'll be on the same projects, but not at the same time. Although we did have that joyful experience doing uh, the Skechershin. 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 What am I? I know that was the first time I met you was the Skechersins, And I was really excited because I, I don't think we had at that time when I had joined the Skechersins had like another queer, like, like, like female identifying person on the podcast or on the podcast. This is the podcast on this, this, the show. Uh, so it was like so fun and you were so great. And we had such a fun time. We did that. Take me or leave me opening monologue. It was so delightful and so perfect. Yeah. I really loved that. Um, you know, it's funny cause I used to do a bit of sketch, but not so mm. much in Toronto. And right. it was really nice to, do that. Although I had a good laugh because I feel like, uh, you know, for the longest time I feel, and you're right. Like, I feel like sketch uh, Mm -hmm. was always super male dominated and it was always, Mm -hmm. I always kind of felt like I was like the weird kid sister trying to like worm my way into the boys club and I'd collab with people, but then they'd like ditch me for the guys. And then it was really funny (laughs) because when I guess I gained some notoriety for some of the screen acting I was doing, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I was getting asked to do a bunch of sketch (laughs) stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm right? happy to be invited to the table, but also, damn it, where was where was this five years where ago? Where were you? Yeah. I feel like sometimes people, I don't know, I, like, yeah, once you have like a couple credits, then they're like, do you want to be, do this sketch thing with me? And you're like, I was the same amount of talent before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was so nice to do that. I mean, God, I, that was actually like four, four, three, four years ago now. I feel like oh, we did yeah. that together, but, um, yeah, it but it was so nice to have like, yeah, so many women on, on that team. Oh, yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. That team, like Skechersons had a lot of like solid, strong, very good, talented Cana- uh, Canadians. <laughs> yeah. They're Canadian comedians. <laughs> so yeah, that was so fun. I don't even remember. All I remember is carrying you on my back out or carrying you in my arms out yeah. of the theater. Real off- That's officer my big- and gentleman style. Yeah. Big memory of us together. (laughs) Because you're doing, you've been doing, you've been doing so much in the last, like between Carmela and then you produced Clairvoyant too, right? Like you wrote, you wrote and starred in that as well. Yeah. I co-wrote it and uh, co-created it with um, my creative partner and a good friend, Annie Mm -hmm. Briggs, who also stars in it. I met her through Carmela um, and we really hit it off. But then also, um, we, 
yeah, we we wrote that and, and made that. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really, yeah, really fun to do that. Although it's funny because I, I honestly like have not been as busy as people think I am. Right. Um, okay. I'm, maybe just see you seem busy. Like I don't know. Maybe that's just because I like follow you so much on like all the socials. So it seems like you're busy, but. I used to think that, you know, appearing like I always had places to be and things to do was a good idea. But I Mm. think it's actually bitten me in the ass because people are always like, oh, "Oh, we were going to ask you to do this thing, but we just assumed you'd be too busy. And I'm like, no, no, please hire me. Um, Yeah. Carmilla (laughs) Carmilla ended in in 2017. And then I uh, co-created Clairvoyant. We shot that in 2017. Mm. That came out in 2018. Um, been doing some movies and things like that, but uh, yeah, yeah, mostly just like I don't know. I feel like this is a. I feel like I turned thirty this year, and I I feel like this mm-hmm. is a strange time to be an actor. Pandemic aside, it's sort of that I mean, in between yes. where I'm like a little too old to play college age, but I still right. look too young to play like lawyer on TV. Even though if I had just listened to my parents nagging, I would have actually been a lawyer right now. <laughs> I really, well, and I mean, <laughs> but you probably wouldn't have, you probably wouldn't have been, maybe not as been as happy. <laughs> like, I mean, who knows? I guess lawyers are pretty well off. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I think you could play a lawyer on TV. Well, it's weird that in like TV in land, this face looks too young to be a lawyer. Like, it's very strange. It's like in TV it's, land. It is strange. They don't actually, I was like, but, but like, I have friends I went to school with who are my age and lawyers now. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is strange. I mean, when did you turn 30? Was that, did mm-hmm. you have a quarantine birthday? Oh, or was sure that... did. Sure did, my friend. Oh. I had a full-blown <laughs> meltdown. It was. Oh, no. Great. No, it was very funny. I was, it, I... I'm, I was actually quite excited to turn 30. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. 20s, love it. Had a nice time. Learned a lot. Absolutely mm-hmm. do not want to go back. I feel like unlike most actors, I'm like waiting to age uh, because I think all the <laughs> yeah. roles that are more appropriate for like my typecasting and mm-hmm. personality are just going to come in my 40s. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm like just waiting to age, you know, chain smoking away. No, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to age. Uh, but yeah, I so mean, I, I was yeah. excited to enter my 30s, but also it was just like a weird time to be in, hit a milestone and then not be mm-hmm. able to celebrate with friends because it was uh, April, yeah, in early course. April, right at like peak lockdown time. So, and you know, the weather wasn't great. So I, I just like, I wasn't able to do anything distanced. Um, definitely tried to dye my hair purple and wax my own butthole. Thankfully, <laughs> did not mix those two things up. Um, oh my goodness. And then my hair, it didn't How? even take, it didn't even take. My hair is still brown, take. so it didn't. Oh my gosh. Do you, could you, did you think you need to get a brighter, like purple for it to show through? You no, know, I, the... I think I would need to bleach it first. My hair is, my hair is real mm, dark, but. Um, really dark. But you know, I didn't How reach. How did the butthole go? Also very challenging. It's very hard <laughs> yeah. to like, get the right angle. Um, yeah, and you got to reach back there and like get, I don't know. <laughs> it's really tricky. Too much. It's really tricky. It's hard to to get the right angle. So that didn't go super well either, mm-hmm. um, you know. But oh. but it was a good time. It was a nice way. I definitely like, yeah, had a, had a small meltdown. My, my partner was like, I don't know what's happening, but, you know, it really brought us closer together. 
uh, well, that's good. Definitely made <laughs> made them assist with both activities, mm-hmm. um, and it was also great because we had only uh, been dating for like a few months, and so it was oh. a real nice. It was a real nice time, you know, you know. Just get it all done. Get it all done right at the top. I think of a so. Relationship, and you're good to go. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> any any relationships, new relationships in in these Corona times, uh, are are what, what is it like? <laughs> BCE and CE, so like Corona era before Corona era. Yeah, I, I think any relationships uh, that are new or, or old, I, they're being put through the test. It's great. It's like it's like oh, dog yeah. years, you know, like I think one mm-hmm. month per quarantine equals like a year of a relationship. It does. You know? Well, I mean, time is a construct. So like, I mean, time doesn't really exist. So it feels like I feel like if anybody told me right now it's been a year since COVID, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> like, sense. Yeah, I feel it. I can feel it. Quality time over quantity, you know? Yes, exactly. I, yeah, I've been, my, my girlfriend and I, you know, we, we've been together for just over a year now. So COVID was like the middle of our, our partnership and it, um, partnership sounds like we're in business together, but, uh, our relationship and it, you know, it's hard. Cause then you're also around somebody like 24 seven sometimes. Like we don't live together, but we were quarantining with each other. Cause we were like, well, we may can't as well. really go anywhere. May as well. You've been sharing the germs. Uh, maybe, yeah, exactly. So we might as well stay together. And you know, you're with somebody 24 seven, which is crazy. Uh, which you wouldn't normally be in in a relationship, whether you live with them or not. You're always working or doing something. So it it, it is a test, I think, to a relationship to see if you can survive COVID. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I also, I like the word partnership because I feel like I, yeah. people say it sounds businessy, but I guess as someone who's like identifies as pansexual or mm-hmm. bisexual, like I've always used partner because... I never like I've just always used it because I've never wanted people to mm-hmm. when when you, if you say boyfriend, people assume you're straight, and if yeah. you say girlfriend, they assume you're gay, and it's just sort of mm-hmm. like. And also, I like the idea of like two whole people coming together, you know, being yeah. being partners. That um, is true. I don't. I take it back. It is a partnership. Yeah. I had a conversation yesterday or the other day with somebody about like how there are now like fifty nine genders. Like there are that many ways to identify in your gender and your set and your sexual preference and I just find it so interesting that there are so many now and I love that people can just identify how they choose we're humans yeah that makes sense we're humans absolutely we all have different likes and wants and I know it's funny because yeah. like all of my longest relationships have been with women and and I always wanted to have like a shirt that said like I'm not gay my girlfriend is <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I'd always get that question where it was like, you know, people would be like, oh, so like how long have you uh, been a lesbian? I didn't realize you were. And I was like, I'm uh, not. I'm still the same uh, person I've been since I was out at 16. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Question though. Have, yes. This is a very personal question. I've tried the Please. tables have turned. Now I'm now oh, I'm asking now you're interviewing question. me. I'm interviewing you now okay. uh, in typical Aries fashion. I have completely... <laughs> taken over this this podcast no have you it. so like because I you know I was saying you know I, I ended up mm-hmm. getting my partner to help me wax my butthole and dye my hair yeah. um so you know you really you you learn a lot about each other in quarantine <laughs> have you you do have you farted in front of your girlfriend yet because that's the real sign oh yeah of the relationship like a long time ago good very good like a long time ago like at the beginning I think though it was one of those <laughs> 
It's, it's embarrassing for me because it was one of those like farts where like I was in bed and I I was asleep and I farted in my sleep and it woke me up. Oh. And it scared me. And I was and I think I rolled over and I said, I'm so sorry, I farted and then fell back asleep. But it was a big it was a big one. I don't I don't know what like it was like what because when you're with somebody for like the first month at least, if not longer, you're holding in those farts. Oh yeah. Like for the first month. You're holding for sure. them in. I had yeah. a scary fart like that that woke me up once, except I was on a plane. Oh no. And I was seated next to a fan. Like when I first sat down, they were like, oh, are you Natasha and Carmilla? And I was like, yes, I am. Neat. Okay. And then I fell asleep (laughs) and I absolutely was woken up by my own fart. And yeah. Uh, It's kind of charming because then it it makes the fan go, she's just like me. (laughs) She's just like us. Yeah, maybe. Or actually it's like, wow, she's not just like me. She's actually like absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah. She's like, I have respect for myself and don't fart on planes. good. I mean, <laughs> how dare you? I still have the utmost, nothing but like the utmost love and respect, you know, for mm-hmm. everyone. Oh, I was going to say everyone I've dated. No, for all the women I've dated, <laughs> not <Yeah>. the men. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's but specific. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not at all. Um, but, but yeah, like farting is a real thing. I, I lived with someone for two years who never farted in front of me and, you know, we were together for three years and I know this sounds crazy, but I remember telling my wow. therapist, I was like, I just don't know that I can marry someone who never farts in front of me. And I think that's yeah. what ended it. Oh, the farts. I mean, do you think it was because they were like trying to be really polite and do it out in a different room? Cause maybe they secretly have like the stankiest farts. <laughs> But at so this, maybe like, I was polite. like requesting it. Like at, at some point oh, I was okay. like, this needs to happen. Yeah, it's like a it's like tradition in a relationship. You get you get to the point where you're comfortable doing gross things in front of each yeah. other, and you still find each other attractive. I'm like, don't do it all the time, obviously, but I just feel like you cannot take a relationship to the next level. I, yeah, absolutely. I think until it's you a fart huge it. step, you must you yeah. must fart. And also, can I ask you this then? Do you pee with the door open when it's just you and your partner at home? I pee with the door open all the time. For multiple Mm -hmm. reasons. (laughs) Um, It's very weird. Uh, One. With the door open too. So. Is that my dog likes to guard me while I pee. So. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. So if I close the door, he's going to cry and like scratch at the door because he's going to be like, I can't see you. And I, you guard me while I poop. So I got to guard you. Mm -hmm. Um, Also. The lighting in my bathroom is really unflattering and I don't like to see oh. myself in unflattering lighting. It's very mirrored. So Fair. it's just better if I just like leave the door open and like, you know, let a little bit of extra light mm-hmm. in from the hall into the. Sure. Into the- How do you see yourself? Like, do you have a mirror directly in front of your toilet? No. Or you just mean like you, I see. Yeah. There's a big, there is a big mirror in there. Yeah. But it's just like right, a mirror okay. wall. But you know, you, you, yeah. I don't want to see That's myself fair. in unflattering lighting, you know? Yeah, of course. And also the washrooms where you need to feel the safest. It's like a safe place where you can go it is. and you take your time in there. Like sometimes on a busy day when I used to work like regular human job, like at, I, I would take a bathroom break just so I could relax. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, like just to sit for a bit, you know? Just to, just to sit. My brother has this app actually that like records, mm-hmm. you can track the time that you, when you go to the bathroom at work. So then you can like eventually it, it racks up and you see like how many, uh, how much money you were made, like how much, oh. yeah. While like pooping huh. or peeing at work, like it, it'll like rack right. up the hours. So like whatever you're, you can put in, like your hourly wage or salary or something. <laughs> That's so awesome. Tell me about it. So it's like, oh, I, uh, <laughs> this week I made uh, 10 bucks while shitting at work. Great. Sick. Yeah. Oh man, I probably made quite a lot then because I would go and I'd be like, go to the bathroom and then 10 minutes later, come back. That's, that's but, amazing. I see. I feel like whenever I'm on set, like I never have. I work on really, you know, low budget projects mm-hmm. where I don't have a trailer because I think the, the whole reason of having a trailer is so that you can go to the bathroom in private, mm-hmm. right? And yes. so, like, I would never have those moments because I've only worked on a few projects where I've had a fancy trailer. So most right. of the time, it's pretty pretty low budget, and, and <laughs> I'll like try to go pee, but there'll be like a PA outside the bathroom door, and I'll mm-hmm. hear like my name over a walkie being like, "We need Natasha back on set," and it's like, "Ah, oh, damn, yep. damn it!" Yeah, so. Yeah. I only had a fancy trailer once and it was, I was doing the broken hearts gallery and I got a, like a, like a, like a full bathroom to myself. Like it was nice. nice. Yeah. It was beautiful. I was like, this is the life and this is how the rich live. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm putting on my, like I played like a goodwill worker. So I'm like putting on goodwill worker (laughs) clothes. You know, I worked at a thrift store when I was 19. Really? It was great. Yeah. Of course. It was like an off-brand Goodwill. Like it wasn't a chain, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. You know, it was great because I, I was like, I got to move out soon. And Mm. so I would like say, I'd get like first dibs on cool vintage dishes and stuff. But sometimes it was gross. Sometimes people would donate strange things. Some weird stuff. I know. I'm always worried about donating. I try to make sure everything looks as nice as possible before I donate it because I'm like, I don't want to make people do too much work to make it uh, oh, yeah. like, worth selling. Hot tip, check the pants. Check inside pants before you buy them. Okay. I'm just going to say that you much. Before buy them. Ooh, do you find, can you find really nasty stuff inside the pants? Yeah, I'm scarred. I've been scarred. Oh, no. Yeah. It's been like 11 years <laughs> since I worked there, but I still remember. Yeah. Oh, where, where did you, where did you grow up? Where are you from? I can't, I don't know why it's not coming to me. Are you from Toronto? No. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah. You are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Toronto. Born and raised. Toronto, 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 Toronto proper. Um, <laughs> as are both my parents. Yeah. I'm like a real okay. proper Torontonian. So like a full Torontonian. That's wild. Yeah. Where in the city did you grow up? Uh, originally I grew up in like Greek town, obviously. Um, okay. I went to elementary yes. school in Greek town, uh, so more downtown. And then my parents moved me out to, we moved out to like, and my parents are from downtown as well, like East York, but they, right. we moved out later to like, I guess like East Scarborough ish. And, okay. um, yeah, oh, crazy. it was a very straight, I mean, it was still the Toronto district school board, but yeah, it was, it was very, uh, very weird mm-hmm. to go from a very cool, diverse, like inner city school to right. then going to middle school in a very bizarre pocket of Toronto where like I was the ethnic kid, even like me, oh, a white person. Right. So, yeah. Wild. Um, yeah. It was very, very interesting. It is crazy that you can, that there is so much that can happen in a, a city. Like I know Toronto's like quite large, but even in a city like 
how their like pockets can change within like a like 10 minute radius, you know, like how different, like I dive, like you said, like being in Greek town and it was so diverse and then moving just to East Scarborough, which isn't that far is a complete opposite. Yeah. Right? It was like, like a very odd little pocket of Scarborough where people, it was like Pleasantville or like Stepford, mm-hmm. like people Ooh. would, you know, like it was like stay at home moms and like people mm-hmm. would like, it was very scandalous that like my mom made more money than my dad. And like, she had oh, long, wow. like luscious hair and wore short skirts and like, you know, <laughs> it was very scandalous. So funny. That was very weird. That's, it's so interesting, like, because I'm in, um, like, where I live in the city right now is technically called Forest Hill. I live on, like, Bathurst Street, one of the low-rise apartment buildings. But, like, everyone behind me is, like, mansions, like, are rich. And, like, you can see the difference sometimes. Like, even today I was walking and I could hear somebody running behind me. So I kind of moved to the side a little bit. But then they stopped and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. So then I turned into a little park to like cut through and then they came and I didn't look behind me to see who it was. And it was this like woman who like, like I, I shouldn't judge people, but by the way she spoke to me, I was like, you're a snooty rich woman. Cause she was like, um, hello. And she was probably like in her fifties, like jogging, but like not picking up her feet as she jogged. <laughs> And like she wanted me to move out of the way. And I was like, you're the one jogging. Run around me. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Needless to say, I got out of there pretty fast. Then yeah. I went to an arts high school and then I oh, moved cool. to Montreal. I left. Oh, yeah. Because you lived in Montreal. How long did you live in Montreal for? Just three years. Just three years. Yeah. yeah. Montreal's like a great city. I love Montreal. Super fun place to in your early 20s definitely right. and I like just yeah. play and experiment and uh very very artistic lovely improv community there that I'm very grateful mm-hmm. for but certainly was not a place to uh to make money or build a life right. but yeah because they don't have like because Quebec has a pretty good like I guess French like culture for arts right like yeah but but not for, I guess, English speaking. Montreal's more English speaking than than Quebec City, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even for English speaking stuff, I'd say like it's pretty, in, unless you're like born and raised there, it's pretty tricky. Right. But uh, do miss those rent prices, that's for sure. I know, that's what I miss about New Brunswick too. I was like, man, we paid for a like four bedroom house that it was like 600 a month total. I was like, why am I in Toronto? <laughs> Because I need to live and make a job. Wow. <laughs> Are you from New Brunswick? Yeah, I'm from New Brunswick. Yeah, originally born, raised. Whoa, where in New Brunswick? So I grew up outside of St. John in a place called Quispam Sis. Quispam Sis. And then it's like Ross A. And then I went to university in Sackville, New Brunswick at Mount Allison University. Oh. So I was there for, for five years. I didn't make the four. I had to do a fifth. But that's okay. I learned way more like doing extracurricular activities there than I did uh, actual schooling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. So, did not learn anything. Did you go to Did you go to Montreal for school or did you just move there yeah. to like Yeah, I went yeah. to McGill. Mm-hmm. And and I le- I left in my third year. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, get out. 
Yeah. Because then did you, so then you came back to Toronto and then did you just start, did you just start, were like, I want to be an actor or was that always the plan? Uh, or did oh, yeah. it just kind it of like happen? It was a weird trajectory. So yeah, I mean, it's funny, like from the time I was a little kid, I always performed. I sang in a professional children's choir and that introduced me to musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to music theater high school for the arts in their music theater program. Um, did a lot of like community theater when I was in high school, uh, but I was being trained more or less and conditioned to be a classical singer. So I used to be an opera singer and wow. I went to McGill for a voice performance and, um, you know, obviously it was a very competitive program that I was very, very lucky to, to be in. Um, but, uh, through, through doing that, I realized that I, I, the root of what I wanted to be doing was telling stories. And it was actually a music marketing class that I was in there that we had to audition for. And that class kind of planted that seed. I think that, um, you know, opera was a tool I was using to communicate, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my favorite thing to do and at the root of it what I wanted to do was tell stories and um, I started doing a lot of theater and a lot of improv while I was in Montreal and I had booked this show that ended up falling through but it was supposed to be um, in New York so at that time I was like you know what I'm going to get an agent in Toronto because that's my hometown and Mm -hmm. I'm going to get an agent before I go to New York and so I got my agent but then I started auditioning for a bunch of musicals and I was flying back and forth and I had already deferred a semester and I wasn't doing super well I wasn't really enjoying my program at mm-hmm. all and I was putting myself through school and and in so much debt and right. so I was like you know what I think I'm gonna I, I told my folks I was like just give me till 25 years old and if things aren't going well I'll like finish my degree but I was like I think mm-hmm. I need to try this and strike all the irons hot so right. um four days after I dropped out of school I booked my first prof- professional musical and I, I did that for wow. a while um, what show? What what musical? It was actually just like an off Broadway review. It was wow. um, at the Toronto Center for the Arts, but mm-hmm. uh, and then of course you know the show lights go out and then and then I was like a yep. very hungry barista for a long time and mm-hmm. had yep, a million serving so jobs and stuff. But <laughs> eventually just uh, transitioned to to screen acting and I think ultimately that's what I always wanted to be doing. I mean I was always an actor. But I was really mm-hmm. being pushed into singing, I think, because that's where my best talent had lied. But I I, I think that, um, you know, it's tricky because music theater had really started to shift into a lot of pop pop stuff as well. And, right. you know, I just was like kind of for, for the type of voice that I have, I was like very much born in the wrong decade, I think. Decade. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So because you're more like you'd be more like like would like Rogers and Hammerstein, yeah. like that style, like. Um, Eben, uh, yeah, My Fair Lady right. kind of stuff. My Fair Lady, mm. uh, but those shows all come back. Those are still classics. Yeah, though. I just, um, you know, it's funny. Like, I also find things things are probably changing a lot now. But back then, I remember, you know, this is about ten years ago. But I remember having mm-hmm. several callbacks for Les Mis, um, and I remember them sort of being like, "Well, you really sound like." For those who know the show, they were like, "You really look like Eponine." you know mm-hmm. but you sound like cassette they're like can yeah, you sing yeah. the eponine eponine stuff and i was like i can't really belt i'm not a brassy belter but because i'm like a right. dark kind of edgy brunette i always found it hard to to fit into music theater because i didn't sound like what i looked like um right. whereas with screen acting when I, I i felt i was able to and i'm very much still a character actor i'd say i love transforming and and being very very different with mm-hmm. every character i play but I find at least I can kind of be a little bit more authentic to myself. So as soon as I walked into the room with a leather jacket on and was just like, sup, I'm Natasha. 
uh, that's when I booked the role that changed my life, a broody lesbian right. vampire, yeah. <laughs> which no one was yeah. surprised that I. <laughs> yeah, which is booked. like, so, but that's how it goes too, right? I feel like in this business, you kind of have to be authentic. The people who, the people who force, I don't know, that's just for me anyway. Like if you're forcing yourself to kind of fit into something that you're not, you're, I don't think you're going to book that thing. Like, like you saying you showed up with a, with your leather jacket and you were like a hundred percent yourself and you booked the role of your lifetime, like the role, the big role that like shot you into your success. Right. Yeah. Like, I think the more authentic we are as actors and being true to ourselves, the the better we we come off to casting directors and things like that. Yeah. And I think like even then I could have really leaned into that side of my personality, mm-hmm. but I'm also not a two-dimensional character. I feel like with social media, especially yeah. now, there's this like expectation to really like brand yourself and be one thing and it's like well I'm not Mm -hmm. one thing like when people often ask me like oh what character have you played that you most identify with I'm like honestly both Carmilla and Clairvoyant uh, in in Clairvoyant Claire the the character um, I wrote for myself I mean both of those characters are vastly different but I identify with with both of them they're both parts of me yeah of course well we're like you said we're not two-dimensional as human beings we have so many different aspects and different likes and different qualities to our personality that come out in different ways and like some we we really show off to people and some we kind of hide not hide but like keep it more inner and internal and I that's why I love playing different characters too is because you can bring out something that is a part of you into a different character and still love it like I don't think I've ever played a character where I've been like I hated that it's usually like I enjoyed that. Like I found something within it that made me feel, um, feel good. And yeah. I feel like, I, like being, like we said, like being truthful and authentic to yourself is important. Do you think that they, like, do you think musical theater will ever get to the point where they don't, aren't like, you don't look like Kazette, but like you can sing like her. Like why does Kazette have to be this like blonde? Yeah. Like Why? What's the difference if she's a brunette as long as she's playing the character? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, let's take it one step further and also, like, does she even have to be white, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I it, like, it's very interesting. I mean, yeah. it's one thing if you're playing, like, someone who's based off a real person, and, and mm-hmm. so, you know, you have to look that Absolutely. part. But, yeah, I think, um, but even then, no, because, like, look at Hamilton. So, uh, yeah, never I mind. Think, I really feel matter? like... I, do you think we're going into a world now, and I hope this is maybe what's happening, where we stop looking at what people look like for characters and kind of more taking people for their talent? So like a Hamilton where it's like you have people of color playing white historical figures. Is it, I mean, unless it's like, I think the only place would be like, I don't think a white person could ever play and should ever play a person of color that is a historical person like Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, and even with like trans and non-binary characters, I think Mm -hmm. if any time the character and that storyline is someone who is um, from marginalized communities and like absolutely someone who's in a position of power and has privilege should like 100% not be playing them. But Mm -hmm. I think the opposite is totally fine. And, and, you know, I was thinking recently, I think just given like a lot of the current conversations, I was thinking recently about how um, I... 
used to be, uh, this is, you know, shamefully used to be one of those ignorant people who said, I don't see color thinking that it was very mm-hmm. well-meaning and then understanding that that's not uh, an okay to thing yes. to say or, or feel because it means you're not seeing people's struggles and, and mm-hmm. oppressions. But it was something I actually learned from the theater and from, and from white authority figures and, and educators mm-hmm. and teachers. So I remember being in high school and they always would talk about colorblind casting and they'd be like, Oh, we're right. colorblind. We don't see color at this theater. And so that's where I learned it from. And I remember being in a production Crazy. of the sound of music when I, mm-hmm. when I was 16 going on 17, <laughs> playing title or, Oh my God, title. Wow. Mixing up my musicals. <laughs> Who is she? Wow. Liesl? She's drunk. What am I saying? She's drunk. What that's, are you saying? that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, Liesl, yeah, yeah, when I was playing her. And we had an Asian Maria, and we had um, black actors playing Nazis. Amazing. And it was really cool. Yes. It was a great production. Have you ever seen the Disney movie with Brandy as Cinderella and Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother, but then Whoopi Goldberg plays the prince's, um, the, the queen, and Victor Garber's the king, and then the prince is Asian? It's like the best. Um, no, but that sounds incredible and I need to watch it. it. It's, you it's, had me at Whitney. It's live action Cin- also. I know, right? It's the live action Cinderella. It is so good and it is a, a fully, full on diverse cast. Like it, it's not, and and I remember watching it as a kid because I think it came out, I, 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 I want to say late 90s, probably early 2000s. And I remember being like, no one said anything about it. No one was like this, like thinking about race in any way, shape or form. People were like, this is just a really good movie and a good like adaptation of the musical. And it was like from the musical. So like not the movie. It was like the actual Rodgers and Hammerstein musical version. Which I was, love like, that. Super I, you had me at Whitney Houston. I'm yeah. not religious, so I don't pray to saints, but I do pray to Whitney. But Whitney, uh, you Whitney. must, we must. She's like, she's, oh my God, her story is just, I was watching, have you, you've obviously watched the Whitney documentary, the one that was on Netflix recently. I think it's just called Whitney. I haven't been able to yet, no. No, oh my gosh, you have, you must. No, It's really no. good, but it is very sad. It's very mm. like heartbreaking. She's like, it's, her story is just, cause she was so fluid too in her sexuality and it was just snatched away from her for, because of her, I guess because of her, also her blackness too. Like they yeah. also, she was told she wasn't black enough and like, because she had, um, oh gosh, Robin, her, her like, friend who they lived together like she ran away from home with Robin they moved in together like it was this whole thing and then when the community said she wasn't black enough and her vocals and things that's when she started to hang around Bobby Brown and because her mother was like get out like Robin we don't want to even acknowledge this but like all of her the rest of her like friends and stuff was like she she was fluid she was fully fluid in her sexuality it didn't matter like she was like she would have slept with men women like any anyone like which I'm like oh it's just so sad to me that she couldn't actually like live that side of her I had no idea that's fascinating I definitely have to watch that now I found that with um that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. film as well. I it was kind of frustrating that they didn't acknowledge Freddie Mercury's bisexuality, and it was just really yeah. focused on him being gay as well. Because I think this is the mm-hmm. this is the issue I think, and and why a lot of people don't understand that concept is because um, there's not a lot of 
positive representation of being sexually yeah. fluid. And I think there's such a misconception that it means that you are, you know, just greedy or you're a cheater mm-hmm. or, <laughs> you know. Right. Which is like, no, that's, it is so funny. And I will say shamefully that I think when I first, I didn't come out till I was 26. Mm-hmm. And I think I had a lot of like closeted, like, really like obviously like probably shameful thoughts of myself and things like that as I was doing it. But I did like for like, not for a long time, like maybe at the beginning, but I was always afraid that if I, cause I feel like I've only ever really dated like bisexual women. Mm. And so at the like, beginning, I was always nervous that they would leave me for a man or that they, that, you know, like that kind of idea. And I hate that, that I thought that ever, but I think it was just like the immature, version of myself that I was like, I don't understand. And then getting, I guess even like, it was probably like a year or two of my life. And then realizing being like, no, that's awful. Like people should be allowed to love whoever they want to. And it's not, that's my own insecurity that if I assume that somebody's going to leave, I'm like, if they're going to leave me, they're going to leave me. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not going to be for one sex or another sex or anyone. Like I, it, it is such an interesting thing that as you grow older too, you become so so much more aware of those internal biases, I guess, of those kind of, of those things. And I've come to terms in the last, cause I'm, I just turned 34 in August, like just a couple weeks ago. Oh, you look great. You look great. Well, thank happy, oh my gosh. Happy thank birthday. You. Um, thank you. Leo, Aries, fire sign. Yes. Baby. So much <laughs> Fire! I was gonna say, are you a Leo? So much fire! Yeah, I am a Leo. Yes, um, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like I don't know. Like I've, I've the last probably like five years, I've really like taken a look internally and been like, what are things that I've maybe thought that didn't re- I didn't realize were maybe not the the correct way of thinking? Yeah, or that I was just not paying attention to the actual. Um, the other side of things, I guess. Yeah. I feel like it's not even like a matter of being correct per se, but just like having a more like empathetic way of thinking as well. Cause I think like, I mean, it's like you look at so many straight hetero couples who are cheating on each other and, and, and leave, you know, there's that stereotype of like, you know, uh, the man (laughs) leaving some, his wife for a younger Mm -hmm. woman or something. So it's like anyone has a, capability of doing that I think it like it's like your sexual sexual orientation has nothing to do with like your moral character per se but I totally feel that I mean something I've really been trying to um, learn more about and empathize with too is like bi and pansexual men cisgender men because Mm -hmm. you know um, a lot of women are afraid to be with men who've been with men because of also like some internalized homophobia or fear of things it's it's um yeah and uh it's interesting to just like challenge those gender roles as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and understand that even a, uh, you know, hetero presenting couple doesn't need to abide by gender norms no, those, or societal those are all either. Those are all so like I archaic, like the way of thinking it a bit, like in that terms of like, the man needs to provide the money, the woman stay home. Like, it's so like, I'm like, we're, we're, everybody, let everyone work. If people want to work, everybody work. Everybody make money. You know, men love to cook. Cook at home. Like, who cares? Like, who? everybody share the load. Like we said earlier, it's a partnership. So it's like, 
you're going into partnership with somebody in a, in a loving relationship. Like, yeah, I like gender gender norms is so such an interesting thing that I feel like is now being slowly more broken down, which I love because I'm like everybody can like people can do anything they put their minds to. So why do we have to gender everything? Yeah, like we even gender we even gender cars. We like deodorant, <laughs> like things, it's shampoo, like chairs. Like we we put. We gender things. It's so strange. It is. It is. And it's funny because like all of the toiletries and candles and like, you know, quote unquote beauty products that I use are Mm -hmm. all for men or marketed towards men. And it's, it's so like, even I, I wear men's cologne and like I use men's deodorant and, and it's just Mm -hmm. like, but but why is it for men? It's so strange. And, and yeah, I think you're right. It's like, we're kind of unpacking that, but also it's like, I even have to catch myself. Like I, I would say as someone who's very, you know, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm definitely Mm -hmm. very much a cisgender woman. Um, but my personality traits and a lot of the way I operate and operate in, in, in relationships, I would say Mm -hmm. are traditionally seen as masculine quote unquote traits. But then I'm right. like, why are we labeling this as as masculinity? It's like, well, right? what is what is, what is it actually at the root of it? Well, it's my leadership and my dominance and my mm-hmm. outspokenness and my assertiveness and um, you know, perhaps my goals and things that I've wanted are like what people would assume most men right. would want in a relationship. And then I always mm-hmm. joke and say that like my current partner is very femme, but I'm like, well, why am I saying that? he's femme it's really that Mm -hmm. like he's um you know nurturing and parental and sensitive um but yeah we joke that he's actually my girlfriend so um (laughs) but that's great though yeah but on the outside you know people wouldn't know that I mean and I also have to acknowledge that now I have all this privilege in the world uh to be able to walk safely around I'm I mean I'm I've certainly experienced homophobic encounters when I've been out with female partners and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I I have to acknowledge that as well, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I think even in these quarantines to, to do a lot of introspection and and think about those Mm -hmm. things. Well, we have the, yeah, like I say, we have the time now too, to do all of that. So it's like, why not just think about it for a minute and, but be kind to yourself too. Like, don't like, I feel like sometimes people get like such a hate on for themselves. If, if you, and I'm bad at it too. Like my anxiety mostly delves from me feeling internal, like anger at myself for doing something wrong. Or like, if I like, I don't know if I say the wrong thing, I'm like, ah, why did I say that? Like, I think sometimes we need to be more kind to ourselves too. In those moments where we're trying to feel our in, like feel out our internal biases and things to be like, okay, I did think that I no longer do. So I have to kind of let that go in the past and move forward Mm -hmm. with a better mindset. Absolutely. And just like, yeah. And, and showing that you've, made change through yeah. through actions as well. And I think like anybody's, I mean, obviously I don't think that like, if you do make a mistake, we're never owed um, forgiveness by, by anyone we've hurt. And we're never, nope. especially if they're um, from any sort of marginalized community. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I think that folks inability to acknowledge that people have changed comes from maybe their own, inability to change as well. Like I think a lot of times, you know, my ideas and concepts uh, evolve over time. Mm -hmm. And and because just because I've said one thing in a podcast six years ago, people 
are like, well, you said that and now you're a liar and now you're this. And it's like, well, no, people are, people grow and people, people do change. And I, I need to, I used to be like very upset and really take it in when people believe something that was not true about me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it was so frustrating. So I'm like, I always try to be so authentic. And I was like, no, this is not me. Why do I, why are people misunderstanding me? But eventually it's like, you just got to learn. I'm like, I have to let it go. And I have to know and trust that like the people who know and work with me know who I am and and exactly let it go. And there's a lot of people in this world who love to make assumptions. Like we, I feel like we've talked about assumptions a bit in this pod and mm-hmm. I feel like people love to do that for some reason. I don't know why. Cause I'm like, didn't we all learn that assumption makes an asset of you and me? Like we know that that we know that assuming something isn't all, isn't always going to be right. Like, so it's like, you almost have to like ask somebody, like have the courage to actually like speak to somebody and be like, hey, I was thinking this thing, like, is this true? Mm-hmm. And then hear it from the other person because you can hear like rumors and you can hear like, uh, like you could read anything and be like, oh my gosh, like celebrity gossip of any kind. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but I don't know these people. I don't know who the source is. I don't know where this is coming from. Like I can't judge a person based off of just hearsay. Yeah. You know, and I think um, I think ultimately most of us are just trying not to be assholes, but um, (laughs) I'd like to think that anyway. But also we Mm -hmm. all fuck up sometimes. We do. We, you know, we we do. And I think it's like anybody who thinks they've never done or said anything problematic that's affected some community in some way is Mm -hmm. 100% lying to themselves. Like, it's, it's like we all have the capability to, um, you know, it's funny. I was going to say we all have the capability of blind spots, but even that's a- ableist language. So it's like, yeah, yeah we all have the uh, ability to be ignorant about mm-hmm. some community or another. So it's like you can experience homophobia, but be a transphobic person, or you could be someone who experiences racism, but be homophobic, or Mm -hmm. you could be, you know, very, um, quote unquote woke, but then actually use ableist language or, or disrespect a mental health community. It's like, we've all kind of, it's impossible to, to know everything all at once, but I think it's important to at least make an effort though, to, to educate ourselves yeah, I agree. And then as I you said, too, like, like, forgive ourselves. We got to forgive ourselves. And I have such respect for people who who can actually admit to their own fault and, and can apologize for it. I'm always like, that takes, to, to, for me, I'm like, that takes a lot of, like, mentality and effort and, and I don't know if the word guts is what I want to say, but, like, it does, it does feel good. Like when somebody apologizes and actually takes full responsibility for something they've done, I go, okay, great. I, I respect you a lot more now because you actually are admitting a fault and apologizing. But when people get so like defensive, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't, you're defending yourself for what reason? Because you probably did it. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and like, like I've certainly been being super defensive is one of my personal personality flaws. And Mm -hmm. I think through therapy, I've realized that a lot of that, you know, came as a, like, well, just as what the word is, a defense mechanism from, you know, 
childhood traumas and things like that. So it was like a, a survival technique. Um, but then what's dangerous about that is like, so I'm just like defensive with anyone. I'm defensive with my parents. I would, I would, I used to be very defensive with anyone, but what's bad about right. that is when you bring it into a space where like, I'm a person in power and I'm bringing that, that personality flaw into a space where I maybe, you know, I did make a mistake mm-hmm. say, or hurt someone who is is marginalized in some way that I'm not then then that's where that like is dangerous so but it's all about yeah personal yeah. growth I think and uh yeah, yeah it's uh it's pretty pretty <laughs> neat growing up neat. learning we're things. growing up learning we are we're doing our best was this supposed to be a comedy podcast because i just got real deep no look i i think too because of course a lot of these a lot of these episodes have been pretty deep and i think people are just now in the time where people are wanting to talk about this stuff and i think it's important so why the heck not i know i was laughing that this was called one more round and it was supposed to be like a nice casual (laughs) conversation over drinks because i was like this podcast is brought to you by this jar of mason water and my last emergency clonopin because boy oh boy shout out to big pharma just kidding not really no but uh but i get it yeah you you, you need to have some water and cl- was it closet closet clonopin also known Klonopin. as clonazepam so great you right. know just so great keeping me I'm on- together what am i on keeping I me know. off the ledge this is yeah it's an emergency <laughs> one i was like oh boy you know oh, not no. gonna drink yes. but uh gonna hey, that's okay behave like one more it. round can be a drink it could be one more round of conversation it could be it could be anything we want it to be that's what i say <laughs> one more round of antidepressants round. great please and thank you we need them I, I yeah well i just right literally the week before we went into quarantine i um I started a new anxiety med- anti-anxiety medication and it has changed my life. It, it's like my mind is clear. I feel like so much better. My panic attacks, when I feel them coming on, I feel like they can subside for the most part. That's amazing. It's great. I'm really yeah, happy to I hear that because it is. Thank you. What great universal timing that it also happened before the lockdown. Um, you have like you have like a pretty big like following from Carmilla, right? Like, are you like, do you consider yourself a queer icon? Cause I, I feel like you are for younger people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, like, no. Um, it, you know, it's, it's quite a marvel that, um, someone like me played a, a sexy queer icon. Um, because I am horribly awkward with, uh, women in particular, I'm very not, no game, no game, um, really with anyone. Uh, so yeah, no, but, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I think it was, it was overwhelming for a long time Mm -hmm. and, and, um, but I'm, it's, it's also such a, it's been such a gift in some ways. I think as soon as I saw the breakdown for that, that role, I was like, oh, I like, I, this is great. And as someone who was already out at the time, I was Mm -hmm. like, I would, you know, I would love, love, love to play a queer character. Um, so yeah, it was really neat to be able to, I guess, uh, provide the type of representation that I would have liked and needed as a, as a teenager and um yeah i think things are kind of like it's it's interesting i think 
audiences shift and grow and evolve. Mm -hmm. So I've certainly been um, sharing a lot more personal things than I used to um, on Instagram and whatnot. But it's been really Mm -hmm. neat to hear that it's resonating with people and um, or like my posts are resonating with people and and helping people out. And it's yeah, it's been nice to be able to like use a platform for something positive and something good yeah of course that's and i think that's wonderful because i i like like i said like follow you a lot on social medias and and everything and i feel like you do do have like have such a wonderful positive um not brand because that we just talked about not branding ourselves but but it is like it is i guess it's not a brand i don't even know what the word i'm looking for but again like i feel like you are somebody that is is good to like if i were a teen i would be like oh i what you present would make me feel better, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh I man. Thanks. Wonderful. It's really nice. Of course. To hear. I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I think the biggest thing that I've learned and that I try to share too, is that like being positive doesn't mean being happy all the time. So, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes I, I think I used to be someone who is like very jaded and very negative, but I've kind of realized that, uh, um, you know, it's all about just being okay with sitting in your feelings mm-hmm. and and it's more about knowing that there is a light ahead and that yeah, it's all kind of, of part of the human spectrum and that and that mm-hmm. we can also like learn from our mistakes. So I try to yeah. share those things as well. I think that's great. And you're doing, you said earlier, you're doing a new enamel pins, right? With Butch and Sissy? Yeah. So correct? there's a really cool merch company. Um, it's actually a passion project for her. She's, she does music merch, um, but she's one of my many fairy gay mothers, as I like to call her. <laughs> and uh, we've done a couple collabs <laughs> together and I, I doodle these things. So I made these enamel pins um, just because like, you know, I mean, first of all, I've, it's work has been almost non-existent for me. And then as yeah. I've sort of shifted into, uh, you know, sharing more posts and things like that, I've been sharing mm-hmm. some of my doodles and people really liked this one I did of a little skull that said anxiety. Um, but I also thought it would be a nice Dude. opportunity to uh, spread wealth a little bit because I think um, mm-hmm. as I don't I don't consider myself an activist because I think that takes more action than I actually take I would definitely say I'm an advocate but I think part of um going beyond like performative allyship is just like spreading wealth and money Mm -hmm. so it was a nice opportunity for me to raise some funds for a dear friend of mine um she works uh with a an organization that she's she -hmm. leads called adornment stories and it's community and a platform for black women and femmes and non-binary folks which provides mental health education and arts and wellness training and and we met during um, a creative writing class we took together and just like Mm -hmm. really immediately connected with each other's writing um so yeah we're we're gonna donate uh, proceeds from the anxiety pin it just felt like a nice fit and, and something that yeah. i could do because i just didn't really know what i could could offer uh people mm-hmm. so I, I definitely also just like sh- it's important to i guess like shift our thoughts more about that too i mean i think right. um a lot of people have like completely rebrand rebranded Ugh, again we're using the brand word <laughs> the b word um, it's re- an easy word to use. I know, rebranded it's their Instagrams, but in a way that's like not particularly sustainable. So I'm like, okay, well, how can mm-hmm. you continue to be mindful about other people in a way that's still authentic to you? So it's like, even a, like for folks who do want to post that bikini selfie, like go for mm-hmm. it, but maybe consider like 
purchasing your bikini from a black or indigenous owned um, fashion company or mm-hmm. or if you are like doing that travel picture or like posting that summer picture with like a rum cocktail, maybe talk about the history of like yep. the slavery and rum, like where rum comes from. And, you know, like just yep. like there are ways, I think, to just like be more mindful about yeah, how absolutely. we benefit from all these like horrible, horrible things. And, and just, uh, yeah, do some do some educating. Edu- I educa- love that. Yeah, that's amazing. I can't, I'm 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 gonna get one of those for sure. I I really will. And I get I'll, I'll get the info from you. It will just be on Butch and Sissy, or will yeah, be... it's just on Butch and Sissy's yeah. website. Okay, um, great, super fun. I'll put it in the description of the of the podcast then, so oh, people can go you. buy one. Help buy some enamel it's pins. Good. I love yes. enamel pins, and yeah, I like I used to collect doodling. pins as a kid. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> except I put them on. My mom put them on this like big clown it was like a clown it was like full height he was like cloth clown what that and sounds then terrifying all the pins. it was and i think that's where my fear of clowns comes from <laughs> so <laughs> how large was this clown like it, like i'm five three so it was probably like four clown. yeah i don't know where it came from but it, it housed all of my pins And I think that's why I don't like clowns because they were like, you stuck me with a bunch of pins. (laughs) It was probably evil. God, but you still like pins. Oh, I love pins. I love pins. I still, anytime I see a pin, I'm like, I want a pin. I know. I rarely wear them actually, but I I have a cork board that I collect them. Yeah, Yeah. but that's great. That's good to have them. Do you want to do a quick uh, like lightning round question round with me? Oh my goodness. Let's do it. Let me hydrate before we do this. Hydrate. I had, I made like a gin. I put um, frozen watermelon, gin, a little simple syrup, and uh, a little lime and then soda water. And I'll tell you, I just came up with it <gasps> 10 minutes before this podcast. And I was like, this is pretty decent. <laughs> that sounds amazing. If I was I like, what do I got? What do I got? Wasn't having a meltdown and didn't have a very complicated relationship <laughs> with alcohol. I was going to make a gin drink as well with some yes. basil water. Ooh, some infused basil. basil. So delicious. Yeah. Did you just boil the basil and what? And then no, I just put it in a mason jar with some no, water, let it sit overnight, and then you kind of get like a basely flavored water. Okay. Very nice. I like that. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna do that. I we my girlfriend and I are are growing basil and and mint, and it grows fast. So <laughs> gotta use it up. Like it grows so quick. Yeah, that's like the one quarantine thing. Like everyone's really been like the sourdough starters that everyone was mm-hmm. doing. Also, I feel like the basil yeah. and the mint is a thing that people were doing. Basil and mint because it's sure. the easiest ones to keep alive. I find they're just they don't die very fast. And no, it's incredible to see my basil plant look very sad at the beginning of the day. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to water you. And as soon as I water her, she like perks up within an hour. And I was like, right, I should also do that to my own body. <laughs> Yes, I need water every day. I you always forget, laugh that my my dog knows to drink water when he's thirsty. And then I'll be like, why am I so tired and grumpy? And like, oh, why do I just feel like garbage? And then it's like, oh, because you've only been drinking coffee all day, you idiot. Yeah, we forget sometimes. I have to make sure that I put in my... Um, my water bottle. I have to fill it at least two or three times a day because I'm like, if I don't, I'll forget. So I just use my clean canteen. 
Clean Canteen, uh, if you want to sponsor the pod, let me know. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, quick cues. What's your biggest party fail? What? I don't understand the question. Oh, my God. Okay. What's, like, your biggest, like, fail at a party? I like, like how I'm that, like, like, what's a party? <laughs> what are friends? What are you talking about? <laughs> what does it mean to fail? Uh, like, if like when you were younger, maybe, like, what was, like, a something that maybe happened that you remember? Like, I don't know. Uh, for me, I'm like, what was my biggest party fail? Probably when I was in university and I drank a two-liter bottle of Carlo Rossi and it was, like, just winter, but almost spring, and there was still a bit of ice, and I fell, smashed my whole face, and oh. then the next day perf- performed at our university, uh, like, it was called the Acres, so it was, like, an award show, and then we were up for best production of hair, and I had to sing Aquarius in front of my whole university with a black eye. <laughs> That's incredible. This is where it, was- it is revealed that I am not as badass as people think oh. I am. I'm a big nerd i am painfully responsible i remember having a birthday party when i turned 18 at my parents Mm -hmm. house and someone else uh, my parents were renovating our bathroom upstairs and someone else threw up in the sink that was not functional because the plumbing was turned off up there and i had to clean that up and that was not fun but it wasn't me nasty I'm I love that you're responsible though. I was responsible up until partway through university. Yeah, I'm really lame. Like I'm the mom. Love it. I'm the mom friend. Um, the only one. I just and but you know what? I think it's because I make so many mistakes and do so many strange things sober mm-hmm. that uh, right. we don't need me to ever get really drunk. <laughs> I'm already at an eleven. Fair. That's fair, though. That's no. okay. That's great. Yeah. You. St- I love that. I love that. I feel like every group of friends needs the like mom friend who take who helps take care of each other and is like you. I think you've had a lot to drink and you go. You're right. Absolutely, I have. Thank you. Yeah, I'm 100 percent the mom. Uh, I really should learn to drive for that reason. I love it. <laughs> I love it. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Um, This is a tough question because places I've never been, Japan is absolutely number one on my list. Mm -hmm. Um, Would really, really love to go to Japan at some point. But if I could go anywhere in the world currently, like right now, Mm -hmm. and what I miss the most is New York City. I just, I I spend a lot of time there and I miss it. Like, it's crazy. I haven't Mm -hmm. been there in a year and I I miss my friends. What's your, what kind of music are you listening to? What's your like go-to music? Like you're shuffling through your, your phone. What's your (laughs) number one? Yeah. It's funny. I actually like my musical tastes are incredibly eclectic. I listen to a lot of like oldie timey jazz and Motown and like, or like seventies psychedelic rock, to be honest, like lately. Um, But in terms of newer musicians that I've been into recently, I'm really into Brittany Howard from Mm -hmm. Alabama Shakes. Oh, her voice is. Yeah. Super cool. Perfection. And it's still that like kind of soulful, like it reminds you like it's it's like a mix of modern and like that old kind of soulful like music, like Motown-y kind of stuff too. Like it's just that music of the like. I don't know. I love music from 1920 until like the end of the 70s is some of the best music ever written, in my opinion. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I think it's all I go to. It's all it's my go to all of the time is like old, old music. And I think that's because we used to listen to the AM radio all of the time when I was a kid. (laughs) 
which was the best. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, it's 2 a.m. What are you watching? Oh, currently, I just finished I May Destroy You, which everyone's talking about, oh. and it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, if I am on my iPad at 2 a.m., though, I might be listening to an audiobook or a podcast. Ooh. Are you reading anything good right now? Any suggestions? I'm trying to read a lot more. I've been getting really into audiobooks, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And I used to have such a resistance towards them. But I was like, well, I guess that's cheating. I'm not really reading. Um, but I just finished Bad With Money um, by Gabby Dunn. Mm-hmm. And it's like a book based off her podcast. And uh, it was pretty helpful. It was good. Yeah. It was good to read. I like, I like when the authors read the books. Me too. Because then it, it feels like really like it's them. And you're like, that's how they wrote it. And I like that a lot. Uh, <laughs> ooh, who was your first celebrity crush? Okay, uh, Bart Simpson's babysitter was my first like cartoon crush. Love that. Was, um, was Laura that by, or Lauren? Was it played by Sarah Gilbert? Is that who played her? I don't remember. But the one who like breaks was- Bart's heart, and she was like so yeah. cool. And it was definitely like one of those moments where I was like, do I want to be her? Or with her. Don't know. <laughs> and then, like, also that as a kid. A oh, God. This is actually super embarrassing. When I look back, I was like, oh, that's what that was. It was a crush. Because, uh, like, you know, as a little kid who is, like, not exposed mm-hmm. to queer identities, you just, like, have no idea. Uh, but definitely, <laughs> like, Hillary Duff as Wendy in Casper Meets Wendy. <laughs> Which is... I love that. So... But that's true. It's, but it's, it is, but it's not. It's like, you just, that's what you're a kid, right? So like, for me, it was Gabby Hoffman in Now and Then. Like, I was like, oh yeah, I don't know what this is, but I I really liked her. (laughs) She was, yeah, it's like, you don't know. You don't know. You're like, what, what, what is this? What is this feeling? Especially when you're a kid, because you're like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I had so many crushes. I had a crush on her. I had a crush on Lucy from Seventh Heaven. I had a crush on Raven Simone. Like, there, there, there were so many. There were so many. It, it was there. Why didn't I know? I mean, I did know, but I was just too scared. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, you look back on so many things where I was like, oh, that girl I was really scared of that I thought was cool. I was like, oh, I liked her. Mm-hmm. That's what that was. Well, or that idea of like, why did I get so like, why did I get so uppity about like my friend dating this guy? And I was like, oh, I had a crush on her and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's crazy. It's so wild. Okay. And last question. Okay. I know you're not a big partier, but the still parties just ended. Everyone's going home. Everyone had a great time. You're leaving too. How do you want to be remembered at the party? Like when people are leaving and they're talking, if they were talking about you, how would you want to be remembered? Oh my God. I'm like, oh, how would I want to be remembered versus how I'm generally remembered? Usually I am someone who is picking a fight or an argument with some douchey guy. Uh, Love it. Usually that is how I am remembered. Um, yeah, like you get two drinks in me and it's like, <laughs> men don't talk Tasty. to me. Just don't even yeah, talk no, to me. I mean, me. same with me too. I'm the same now. Like sometimes I'm like, shut up. Like we don't need to hear from you right now. I feel really bad. Cause then I feel like I'm always on guard about that as well. Like there was one time 
I remember I was out like playing pool with my ex-girlfriend and I was wearing a jacket that's a feminist at the back. And mm-hmm. uh, this guy came up to us and he's like, oh, hey, excuse me. And I was like, oh, this fucker is going to like teach us how to play pool yeah. or mansplain it to us or something. Like I was like, I was really on edge because like this would happen a lot when mm-hmm. I was when I was out with her because it would always just be like, you know, oh, you ladies just like haven't had the right yeah. man yet. Like we just get all that kind of stuff. And oh, yeah. uh yeah, my, my and then he was like, oh, I just I was wondering where you got your jacket. My girlfriend would really like it. And then I was like, oh, oh. and like I, you know, I did feel bad. I was like, oh, I got it from this place. That's nice. And he's like, okay, cool, thanks. I want to like buy it for her. And he, and he just like left. And uh, I know, but it's crazy because after a while, it's happened. It happens so often that you just automatically assume that anyone that's coming, any man especially that's yeah. coming up to you, is about to say something rude, and you have to be like, "I have to prepare with what I need to say in retort." <laughs> how do you? How do you want to be remembered, though? How do I want to be remembered at a party? Yes, I think it's like a very delightful, charming conversationalist, and I think that you are all those things. You know. Maybe I maybe that's how I'm remembered at at parties most of the time I would hope. That's yeah. That's how I'll remember you today. That's thank <laughs> you. So nice. Yeah. Or or like the person who just like completely emasculated the financial dude bro. Mm-hmm. Fuck uh, yeah. The like, last time like I was at a too. party that's what happened and uh yes. I feel mildly embarrassed by it. I think at one point oh, I actually whatever. mimed sweeping up fragile masculinity. That's awesome. It's, is it? I don't know. I think a little aggressive. It's, it's honestly like a marvel that I have. I'm sure that, I'm sure that person, (laughs) I'm sure that person probably has done some shitty things. Like, like, you know, there's a reason why you, you get defensive with certain people because they're also being defensive, right? But (laughs) so, yeah, whatever. I think it's good, and I think it's brave to stand up for how you feel. So, <laughs> so thank you for being on this podcast today with me. This has been so lovely. Oh, thank you for having me. It sure has Always. been lovely. And, uh, you know, it was nice to just uh, hang out with someone, even I if know. it is through Zoom. It's nice to know that there are humans out in the world that I can We're talk to. We're doing stuff. Yes, there are. And I'm always here if you need to talk. We're, uh, you can be on the podcast anytime you'd like. So lovely. Yes. Thank you. Where can, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram, right? At Yeah, people can find me at Nat Vanless. It's Nat Vanless. My first and last name mushed together on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> um, you know, it's a nice combination of really like bullshit, preachy shit about like positivity and mental health or then just fart jokes. There's really no in between. Love it. That's and there shouldn't be an in between. And also check out uh, Band Ladies because we're both in Band Ladies. Yeah, we and are. The show is so good. It, the yeah. show is so good. I when I first watched it, I was like, this. I was like, this is so well written. It's so well acted. The music is so good. You're so Ugh. funny in it. I love your character. <laughs> oh, also, can we talk about how I saw your lovely cameo and what we do in the shadows, which was also. <laughs> Amazing! I just Thank recently you. watched that, and I was like, "I haven't oh my watched God, it's that one Trisha. yet." It's so good. Yeah, I, sh- I should watch that today. I haven't watched it yet. I love that show so much. I was so lucky to just even be anywhere near those people. <laughs> uh, so good, so 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 good. Yeah. It was so fun. Well, thank you. Yes, I'm so excited. Are you? Do you? Do you 
I mean, I, what I was going to say is I think you and I should collaborate on something sometime. Let's do some, let's do something fun. I think that's, that's me. It's the only way. We'll talk the only offline way. off this podcast. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Ideas are brewing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Natasha, for being here. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Natasha Nagel Vonless, everyone. Oh, my goodness. What a delight. I was so happy she could jump on and do the pod with me. It was so lovely actually sitting down and chatting for a while. She is such a delightful human. Please make sure to watch Clairvoyant and Band Ladies. Band Ladies is on Highball TV. Both Natasha and myself are in that. It is a wonderful, wonderful uh, web series that is about a group of women who uh, decide to stop their book club and start a band. And it is really well written, really well acted. The music is phenomenal and it is very, very funny. Also, make sure to check out Butch and Sissy and get your uh, enamel pins that Natasha has designed, uh, which uh, Butch and Sissy is a queer-owned merch company, and 10% of the profits are going towards Adornment Stories, a black-run mental health organization, which is so wonderful. Also, follow Natasha on Instagram and Twitter, at Nat Vanless. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at it's underscore Trisha Black. You can follow the pod at One More Round Podcast on Instagram. And my new queer nostalgia, the things that made us queer, the things before we were queer that we didn't know made us queer, uh, Instagram account, and maybe eventually a blog. Uh-oh, look out. I'm doing a lot of things, and it's fun. Uh, that is at B4, so B-E, the uh, number four, underscore, I knew I was queer on Instagram. It is a great time. The podcast is also now on Twitter. We're going to be tweeting a lot, so look for one more round podcast on Twitter. If you're loving the pod, uh, you can leave us a rate or and review on all of the uh, platforms, which we really appreciate. That's how people know that our podcast is fun, uh, and I think we're having a good time. I know I am. <laughs> Uh, so please uh, do that for us if you like if you want to support the pod in an even bigger way uh, we have a Patreon account patreon.com slash it's Trisha Black we have our first patron Emily Milling thank you again it is so I'm so grateful uh, truly so so grateful uh, for people even just listening and for people supporting it is going to help grow the podcast and our platform uh, and 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 all of that so you, and you get some fun perks on Patreon as well so check that out if you feel like that's not for you but you still want to support a little bit uh, you can donate to our coffee account ko-fi.com slash it's Trisha Black we really once again appreciate it and I just appreciate you listening that is huge for me as well um, so thank you so much next week on the pod we have uh, another another wonderful human that I met through Instagram Instagram is becoming huge for me he is the founder of the app Fearless which promotes uh, and streams indie feature films from BIPOC queer uh, disabled voices. It is an amazing app. Uh, and that wonderful individual is Matt Kai Burmaster. And we really get into it. We talk all about his app fearless. We talk about queer culture, uh, and we talk about religion and queerness. So, which was a really, really very wonderful conversation to have with Matt Kai and he is wonderful. So tune in next week for that. And as usual, no East coast kitchen party is ever complete without a rousing musical number to close out the night. So here's one for you now. We'll see you next week. The coffee's all gone and my eyes burn like fire. It's past the hour when most folks retire. You told me you'd come.
Thank mm-hmm. you.